Chris Paul in the news because of a report that came out yesterday from Chris Haynes from Bleacher Report and TNT that said uh, Chris Paul uh, was uh, notified by the Suns that he will be waived. That was refuted. The options are still out there for the Suns, but here to go over all the options with us, the one, the only, Kellen Olson, our Suns Kellen. insider from Arizona Sports, who joins us now on the Arizona Sports Line. What's up, K.O.? Hi, guys. Good morning. Good morning. I heard you on Burns and Gambo yesterday. Um, kind of the way that it was reported and tweeted out by Chris Haynes left a lot of information to be desired on. If that was indeed the Sun's stance, you know, what is that followed up by? Is it a wave and stretch? But we're not even to that point. What do you make of this whole situation right now and where it is less than three weeks away from that deadline to guarantee his contract? Yeah, I'll say briefly on the reporting front, it's been it's been pretty silly. Um, I was able to get confirmation from the team that he has not been waived, which I think everyone kind of knows. But then it led to this shell of reporting what has been reported and that getting wrong. Like there's a, there's a tweet up from Bleacher Report still, I believe, that just says Paul's getting waived and has been waived, and it's like he he has not been waived yet. It's it's June seventh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, we, we've got a ways to go uh, in the process, I believe. So. I was able to get that confirmed, and I was able to also get team sources to confirm what Shabshrani and Aiden Wojcicki followed up on, which is that the team is exploring all the avenues, and, and this is where we kind of go into what we're going to be talking about for the next few segments. I'm like, yeah, and then what you guys have been talking about on your show since the offseason started, right? Like, we knew these possibilities coming in, and I think that all of this has now just kind of come to the, the national forefront. And I don't know if it was supposed to get out in this kind of way this early in the news process and then with everything kind of going on right now, but it did, and now we're here to talk about it more prominently. Yeah, I I think one of the takeaways is that Chris Paul's takeaway is that either this is the outcome he desires or he expects, um, and that is being waived. I'm curious, from your vantage point, how much game does Chris Paul have left, and how important, in your opinion, is it to getting to to the finish line in Phoenix, Arizona? I think that he has a lot left to offer, and uh, I believe in, in Woj's uh, report, he had the, the biggest nugget out of everything to come out yesterday, which is that Chris wants to come back here, but he also wants to be informed sooner rather than later exactly what his state would be. Now, I, I, I do think that the latter is, is a bit of a stretch, if I'm being honest, because, yes, he needs to know when he will be, if he'll be a free agent and all that kind of stuff, but his deadline for his guaranteed money is June 28th, and that is before free agency. So, so he'll know beforehand like what his fate is and everything, and then he can go into free agency just like everyone else, right? But I'm sure like anyone else in his situation – he would want clarity on exactly what is going to happen earlier. So so it makes sense all the way around. But with that being said, Dan, I think that the biggest thing that everyone is going to try and figure out and everyone is, is blowing up Chris Paul about on his phone or, or whatever it is exactly is what he is willing to do. And what I mean by that is, if he is waived by the Suns, there's a lot of talk, of course, that he could very well just come back to the Suns on the veterans' minimum. That's 29 other teams across the league going, wait, he would sign for the veterans' minimum? And they're all looking around right now like, oh, my gosh, can we get Chris Paul? Wait, what? And then now everyone is going to kind of sort of reset what their expectations are for him because I think we can all agree that Chris Paul next year is not worth the veterans' minimum. He's worth plenty more than that. Now he's worth $30 million. 
Yeah, we're going to put Kellen on hold and uh, reconnect. Uh, obviously, something. Yeah, something happened. With the something happening. There. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's where I wanted to go with that next line of questioning, too. If the Suns do come to that conclusion, hey, we're going to waive Chris Paul, does he clear waivers? You would think yes. Um, but his options after clearing waivers would become wide open uh, for another team to swoop right. in, give him the sales pitch. Uh, kind of woo Chris Paul away from the Suns, even if that but why was... would that happen if he wanted to be here? Well, we got Kellen back. Yeah, we do got Kellen okay. back. Go, uh, Kellen, go ahead. Uh, we, we had some technical issues with the, the last part of what you were saying, if you could pick up where you left off. Yeah, sorry. I don't know how far into that I, I was on. It was on the whole time on my end. But it, in terms of just what his situation is right now, I think that the entire league is going to be really fascinated by what he is able to be attained for in for agency because one of the takeaways from yesterday and something that uh, Gambo's been talking about for a while now is the possibility that he gets waived by the Suns and then comes back on the veteran's minimum. But then and every other team across the league is going to ask themselves, well, wait a minute, if he could go for the veteran's minimum, and, and then they want to ask themselves if they can be in a race for Chris Paul because he's not worth $30 million, no. but he's not worth $3 million either. It's somewhere in the middle. So if he's willing to go for that and he's willing to go somewhere else other than L.A. or Phoenix, there are a ton of teams that would be vying for his services that could offer him a starting spot on a contending team. I went through some of the possibilities on ArizonaSports.com yesterday. And, like, can you imagine him on Milwaukee in a backcourt with Drew Holiday, running pick-and-rolls with Giannis, running pick-and-pop with Brooke Lopez? You look at what Boston needs on their team. You can look at New Orleans and the reunion with Willie Green now. A lot of that might be getting ahead of ourselves because we know how important it is for Chris to be near his family who lives in L.A. So with that being said, he wants to end his career with the best championship like possible, like potential possible, and he's willing to take three or four million dollars, then he should consider all avenues, including going out east, because that might be his best shot. Well, this is a, yeah. Well, this is where I get confused on the story because if he really did want to return, why would he go elsewhere for the for the same amount of money or maybe just a little increase in salary when being on the west coast? Is that important to him? Because where where do you go where it lines up better than having Kevin Durant and Devin Booker? Right, and I think that part of this that has been talked about for a while now is the notion that this $15 million that he has locked up no matter what, like he's getting this 15.8, whatever the exact number is, he's getting that no matter what. And the notion that he was always going to get this money, but the rest of this money was less guaranteed to say the least. Like it's not guaranteed in, in the in like the contract standards, right? But like this was probably always thought of as unlikely, especially that fourth year getting picked up by some means. So I do wonder how much of that is the equation, but the another thing that I wrote about ArizonaSports.com last night, Dan, is that if let's say that's the plan and the plan is for Chris Paul to get waived but the Suns to re sign him. Can you imagine like how, how loyal Chris Paul would have to be to just immediately re-up with the Suns and not hear other teams out? Oh, I agree. Like, to yeah. not, hear, out, hear, to not right. hear what the Lakers have to say, at least. And what if he hears from the Lakers? And what if he hears from LeBron? And they say, hey, we can give you three times what Phoenix is going to offer you because we actually can get some cap room moved around this year. And you can play in your backyard. You're worried about traveling back at home, all these flights back at home, having your kid come to Phoenix with you. Like, you can just stay here in L.A. And you can play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the – most historic franchise in the history of the league. Like, he can hear some pitches out. So that's where this starts to get really interesting if he's just getting waved alone. 
Kellen Olson, our guest here on the uh, Arizona Sports Line. Let's envision a world where Chris Paul has played his last game for the Phoenix Suns. And moving forward, what do you view, Kellen, as realistic options for the Suns on the point guard market, if that were to come uh, come into fruition? Right. That, that's where I, I think that if he is moving on, the Suns can't just wave him. They would have to stretch and wave him. The only reason to wave him would be if you know for a fact that he's coming back yes. on the veterans minimum. Because if you stretch and wave him, yes, you've got to pay an extra couple million dollars over the next couple of years and have that go to your salary cap and, and have that figure in. But what you do get is the full MLE, which is nearly, uh, or, or sorry, it's just over $12 million a year that you can offer to a player in free agency. And that's a starter. So that's where you could start and look at some of the point guard names on the market. I think that Gabe Vincent is the only guy really that projects to be a free agent that you could get for that money and that you would want to give all of that full money to. Something Gambo talked about yesterday on the show as well is that if the if the Suns do that and get to the full MLE, they don't have to spend all of that on just one player. They can allocate bits of it. They can give one guy six, one another guy six, and that's where you kind of look at names like Dennis Schroeder, Jalen Noel, and, and I know those names are, are less enticing. I threw out Patrick Beverly in there to like kind of toss a grenade and run away just because, yes, he's an elite. He's still a pretty good defender at this stage of his career and playing that for Frank Vogel. Yeah, ball handlers around him. Okay, well, I'll stop. I've said enough. People are probably already mad and swerving on, on the roads right now as we speak. Patrick Beverly, the Suns uniform. Um, it, outside of that, I think that the trade market, again, is where you kind of look around and if they if they can trade DeAndre, what they can get for him, if they can get a point guard in return. But all of this is, is a long conversation to say, but it's at the end of the day that I don't think there's any way that if they get rid of Chris Paul, they're going to replace him with someone as good or better than him in this short period of time, in this offseason. And that's the decision that the Suns are ultimately going to have to make if that is a benefit for them. But undoubtedly, like what we know is that like the shakeups weren't enough. Like the KD trade, firing money, they need more on the roster front. And, and so something's got to happen here, whether it's Chris leaving, DeAndre leaving, both of them leaving, like something's got to change here. Kellen has been kind enough to stick around for a second segment because we got more questions on the Chris Paul front and the Suns offseason questions. We'll cover those next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Yeah, well, I think he can be one of the best centers in the league. You know, I think he's shown that at, at times throughout his career. You know, I, I know he showed it when we played him in the playoffs a couple years back and shot about 80% from the field and uh, and, and deterred every every drive, every, every cut, every... Uh, uh, effort to attack the basket. You know, he can be a big-time deterrent. And, um, you know, there's still areas that, that uh, he can grow offensively. Um, but I'm intent on uh, on really connecting with him and, you know, restoring him to, uh, you know, to an all-star level player. That was Suns head coach Frank Vogel at his introductory press conference. One of the couple of questions uh, asked about DeAndre Ayton as we continue our discussion with our Suns insider, uh, Kellen Olson. A lot of Chris Paul talk, but there's going to be a lot of DeAndre Ayton talk as well. And Kellen, I think a lot of Suns fans listened to what Frank Vogel had to say and went, wow, maybe he will be around. Was that just Frank Vogel saying what needed to be said about DeAndre Ayton at this point, or do you think there is some potential for a return for D.A.? Uh, I lean I lean more towards the former than the latter, but I do believe that that's just Frank Vogel giving his honest assessment of where DeAndre Ayton stands and where, as of right now, being a member of the Phoenix Suns, Frank Vogel evaluates him. But I just go back to really our our entire conversation about DeAndre once the offseason kind of started and where we were at really midway through the Nugget series is that I don't know how you can 
realistically tell yourselves you are going to contend for a championship next season and then have him back after the way that his inconsistencies flared up not only in the postseason but just dramatically in the regular season. I, I think that there are a lot of people hearing Vogel come here and are being told, like, yeah, DeAndre can be one of the best defensive. Like, he can make an all-defense team under Vogel, potentially. And people are like, what? Because some people just watched him this year and are, and are baffled by that kind of statement because of how DeAndre defended this year. But you look back to the playoff run that Vogel mentioned, like, DeAndre showed what he was capable of, especially defensively. I think he's undoubtedly kind of at that level when he can be. But that's what I'm kind of getting back to here is that I don't know how the Suns can – be honest with themselves and, and do that and just have them come back and do the if game again with him. I just don't know how you can yeah. do that with another year of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. No doubt. If the Suns are having a difficult time getting value in a trade for Chris Paul, then then DA is probably the one guy that can return anything of value. So I'm curious with all the avenues that might be available to the Suns, whether it is you know vet, uh, veterans exceptions or what you name it, dudes who are willing to play on veterans minimums, what, what kind of attributes do you think James Jones needs to look at to round out this roster and make it championship worthy? Yeah, I do think that all of it kind of just goes back to the point guard in the center position again because I said last segment that it's extremely unlikely, pretty much impossible for the Suns to get rid of Chris Paul this offseason and then replace him with someone as good as him, if not better. And that same thing goes for DeAndre. Like, I don't think that it's really going to be possible for the Suns to let go, trade DeAndre, and then replace him with a center that's as good as him or better than him. Now, can they replace him with someone more consistent? Yes, and I think that those are the immediate benefits there. And then with Chris's situation, can you replace him with someone who has more natural skills that are more off of the ball? Yes, because most of the positives you get from Chris are having him on the ball, having him be the point god. But he's not in a situation right now in Phoenix, at least, where that directly benefits them the most to have him on the ball most of the time. That's just not where we're at right now. And it might benefit him somewhere else. Now, with DeAndre, I think that the main thing, and especially with Vogel here, is still getting someone in that can really protect the rim. So I think that you're looking around at other trade destinations and kind of trying to figure out exactly if you can get a center back that can do some of that stuff. I know that we've talked about Indiana forever just because of the offer sheet there and how it maybe potentially they would want to give up Miles Turner. I'm not sure if they'd be willing to go that far. Washington has been another team that uh, has been talked about just because of the amount of salaries that they have and the amount of movement that they would be able to make. They have a couple of mid-level deals like a Daniel Gafford, who I'm sure pretty much no one has heard of listening to the show right now, but has really established himself in the last two years as one of the league's better rim protectors. He's not going to put up 15 points tonight by any means, but he's going to protect the rim, and that would sure help the Suns under Vogel, and it's something that they're going to need in his system and have a legit rim protector. We're talking with uh, Kellen Olson here on uh, Arizona Sports. Uh, in terms of the free agents, and there's a long list of free agents that the Suns have of their own, do any of these guys make sense to bring back in your mind? I mean, I know it's a foregone conclusion most likely that the Suns will bring some of those guys back, but how many of them make sense in your mind, Kellen? I think a fair bit of them do. I know that Vogel said like they want two-way players, but hey, if a team has 15 two-way players, they're going to win a championship. 
Like, there's just no, there's not that many players in the league right now who are proficient on both ends of the floor, right? Like, that's, it's just not realistic for a roster, but he's saying that just to instill the mentality more so that if you come here and you only play offense, that's not going to work for me. You're going to have to play defense as well. Uh, in terms of the guys that are free agents that I think that could come back, I think that Josh Akogi is one of the first names to come off the mouth just because, just because again, of what Vogel brings and that they're going to need that defensive versatility. I think that using Josh offensively more as a screener and a diver kind of in the Bruce Brown role we saw in Brooklyn is something that the Suns could utilize more specifically with him at the center position. I think that at least one of the reserve centers makes sense to bring back. And I think, honestly, you could talk yourself into bringing back both Bismack Biombo and Jock Landale. I think that Biombo does everything that Vogel wants out of a defensive mm-hmm. center. And then I think Landale showed that he can hang on that end and then also has some offensive ability to untap. And he's early into his NBA career right now, and a lot of people forget that with him. In terms of the other spots, I'm not so sure. I think that Damian Lee is more of a no-brainer just because of the locker room presence that he is. He's a smart, heady player who can really, really shoot the ball. Now, he does struggle to hang in there defensively, but he tries really hard, knows where to be. And I think we saw even in that Clipper series, he can come in there and be a positive impact at times. But other than those guys, I'm not really that quite sure. T.J. Warren, Terrence Ross, or some other names in there, and then campaign situation is an interesting one as well because he's got a partially guaranteed contract as well. So if the Suns are looking to cut down their numbers as much as possible, I believe his guarantee date is June 30th, and it's $2 million of the 6.5 that is guaranteed. So there's a lot of uncertainty just beyond the fact that we're looking at the top four, five, six, seven spots. Like that back half, we don't know either, and that's where the Suns could – Look the veterans minimum round. Of course, if you have Kevin Durant, Dev Booker on your team, and you're in Phoenix, and, and you've got a championship coach, a lot of people are going to want to come here, and a lot of people are going to be willing to come here just for the veterans minimum. I don't know if you were surprised at the way um, uh, James Jones addressed the need for a new head coach. I happen to agree with everything he said, but he said it very authoritatively, and, and in a larger degree, that James Jones is the guy who's going to be refitting this team. Are you at all surprised, given the fact that there's been change above him in terms of the ownership? and there's change below him with the coach that he hired, and yet he's still there running the show. Your thoughts on that? I was not surprised by how he he put the answer. I think that all of us were more or less kind of saying that without saying it, if it makes sense. And and basically what James went into is just the need for a new voice and and a new leader. And I think that that was probably, uh, honestly, is just as important, if not more important, to the Suns than the playoff exits, right? I think that everyone cites the back-to-back second-round exits, the lack of playoff adjustments, all this kind of stuff with Monty, but it, it, just the fact that they probably needed a new... Uh, they did. They did. They needed a new voice. They needed a new leader, and, and that really was reflected with James's comments, and uh, I, I don't know on that front, Dan. I think that's one of the more interesting things we're going to be talking about the next couple of weeks is who's really making the decisions around yeah. there. Yeah. I think that we can agree on, based on everything that we've heard so far, is that Matt Ishby has the final say on things. And I know a lot of people listening are like, well, if I paid $3 billion or something, I would want the final say on something. But, I mean, I'm looking at a at, at a rack of toilet paper right now or, or a build-up of toilet paper I've got in my living room right now. And, look, I, I've known toilet paper my whole life, but there are people who know toilet paper a lot better than I do. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it, it's one of those delicate <laughs> Jared knows it better than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's one of those delicate situations where like yes there is expertise there for sure but you want james jones to be the guy who does have the final say in these kinds of things because how well he knows the front office he's the he was an executive of the year 
already and just how well he knows this process. So you do just kind of wonder there and, and wonder what these types of situations, you wonder what the Durant trade, that was one of those examples that comes up, right? Who's going to be making the final decisions? And we're kind of back in the situation we found ourselves in for the last 15 years where when anything happens, we have to wonder who exactly made the decision. Yeah. Not my best analogy, guys. I'm working here at 845. I'm trying my best. I'm sorry. I, it worked. I thought it worked. Kellen, thanks so much for Thank hanging out with us today. We appreciate it.